This is Gritty Girls, a place where you can come to process the issues and topics your girlfriends, family, or coworkers may or may not be discussing. However, you're thinking about these issues. Let's dive into them together. Hi, everyone. I'm Leslie Campbell. And I'm Christina Lee. We are the Gritty Girls. I'll never forget the first week I moved into my husband's apartment. We had become engaged four months prior, and I had quit my job in Denver to move to Houston to join him. So me, being the organizational freak that I am, had begun to go through his stuff because I knew there were plenty of non-essentials there. Uh, Please. He had been a single guy until the age of 42. Okay, and yes, I was snooping. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there were two master suites, uh, each with a bathroom. Well, he had the door kept shut to the other bathroom, which he explained was being used as a storage room. So, of course, one morning I prepared to dive in and tackle what was inside. The moment I cracked open the door, I got a whiff of mold. Oh, no. Upon which I thought, what is going on? Well... He had had the room closed up for so long and the AC vent closed to save money, okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, and closed that room. Well, when you do that in Houston, well, you know what happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it became kind of musty and moldy. Worse yet, it was crammed full of stuff. Mementos he had forgotten about, clothes he didn't wear, a trunk full of leftovers from college. It was clear that this was a room that took whatever he either didn't want, you know, uh, didn't want to deal with, didn't know what to do with, or all of it. So one bag I found were things he bought on, uh, on a trip to Tahiti, but it wasn't souvenirs that he hadn't wanted to display and tucked away. I mean, the airline ticket stubs were in it. Maps. (laughs) brochures. It was obvious. You can imagine, right? Yeah. He had come home from the airport and stuck it in that room and never looked at it again. (laughs) I thought, I mean, with souvenirs inside. Oh. (laughs) I thought, wow, people buy so many unnecessary things that become a burden. Did you die a little on the inside? I was just like, no, I was was just... uh, I kind of couldn't believe it. I thought, really? Yeah. People do this? <laughs> I mean, of course, it gets much worse, and I'm gonna right? I'm going to marry this guy? I know. <laughs> you know, what was nice um, is that that was the worst room. That's good. Luckily, yeah. it was the worst room. But, you know, a lot of people have clutter. And unfortunately, for many people, including good friends of mine, they have clutter everywhere in every room. And they feel overwhelmed by all their stuff. Knickknacks brimming over every shelf. Uh, drawers that are too stuffed to, you know, pull open and stacks and stacks of papers and DVDs on way too many surfaces. And, you know, in response to all this excess, some people have turned to something called minimalism, a movement to declutter our lives, to reduce our material possessions and pare down to the essentials. I'm sure many people would just like a magic wand you know, to yes. wave over their rooms and spare them from decision paralysis over what to keep and toss. So you are not alone if you feel this way. Now it's time for our WDYT segment for What Do You Think? I like the idea of minimalism, but I couldn't ever stick to it because then what would happen if I threw away something that I needed, that I might need it in two weeks? 
I love the idea of minimalism because ultimately things will not make us happy and too many things is too stressful. Minimalism is beautiful and very calming to my brain, but it's also so hard for me to do and it's something that I have been working on and hopefully someday I will get better at it. And here is a shocking statistic from the popular blog, Becoming Minimalist. Leslie, how many items are in the average American home? Oh, okay. I'm going to take a stab here, and I'm just going to guess and say 4,000. Oh, man. (laughs) Am I off? (laughs) You are so off. Oh, man. What is it? Oh, you got to have one more try. Okay. You got to go way up. I'm just going to go crazy and say 10,000. Oh, my. No. Are you kidding me? 300,000. Oh. Oh, wow. 300,000. You know, I asked Raymond, my husband, last night, and I did this with the kids, okay? I yeah. went through all the statistics, um, and he guessed 100,000. No. I know. Good. I thought that was pretty good. The kids were way under, like I you. I guess I'm but... picturing bigger items, but then when you said 300,000, I'm thinking Two. little small things like maybe a penny, a pencil, Um Toothbrush. Toothbrush, yeah. Tools and scissors and all of that. Yeah, when you get down to the little bitty stuff, I can see it. Still, though. Yeah. 300,000 items, right? Wow. I don't know. I think that's sobering. It is. Don't you? It it really is. You know, my husband and I were, uh, his name is Court. Um, We were talking a lot about these things this weekend. Uh, Minimalism for us has been a journey. Um, It's not a destination. I don't feel that we've quite arrived, but it's definitely one of our core values that's been influencing us on the decisions that we make. Um, Because of that, I feel like we're working towards something that will hopefully in the long run bring us more freedom financially, materially, and even geographically. Um, When I know whenever I look into my empty nest future, Um, I see travel. I see work done remotely. These are dreams of mine. Um, I want experiences more than things. And so often I find that we can very easily get bogged down by the stuff of our life and it can really start to kind of hold us back. So one of the things that we did, um, we, we did sell our big suburban home and bought, um, a house on a couple acres out in the country I think that is so cool. That is, you know, there are people who talk about it, and then there are very few who actually do it. I think what's key in minimalism is mindful versus mindless consumption. And through that, the action of decluttering and buying less, you'll detox your life and realize, oh, I actually can be happier with less. And you gain the freedom to experience your life more fully because... You'll have less debt, more in the bank, and ideally more time on your hands, although that's not a guarantee. So if you're feeling a bit anxious, because I think if, you know, there are times where I've watched documentaries or read articles and I'd start to feel a little bit anxious and it's because yeah. I think, oh, I'm not doing enough to be, yes. you know, a minimalist. It's I'm overwhelming. I'm, it's, yeah, I, I feel motivated, but yet a little a little anxious that um, that I could be doing more. So if you're right. feeling that um, and you feel overwhelmed by your things and you want a change, 
change, then good, because we're going to offer you some practical tips. But if you find yourself rolling your eyes... (laughs) At minimalism, we get it too. We get that because even though its goals are simple, minimalism has its problems. Uh, It has its detractors. So let's address some of those criticisms as well as our goals for today's show. Yeah. Um, Among the list of things that minimalism, blah, 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 you know, that word can be a mouthful. Minimalism. I'm going to have to minimize how many times I say minimalism. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's accused of being uh, pretentious. Exclusive, unrealistic, extreme, unnecessary, and stereotypically a white upper middle class male exercise. Hmm. Sociologist um, Joel Stillerman does actually agree that the movement is connected to educated upper middle class segments of the U.S. and other Western societies. And some of these accusations, they really do stick because there is a feeling You'll have to see if you agree with me on this, that somehow if you get rid of all your stuff, stop watching TV, and whittle down your to-do list, you've suddenly become morally superior (laughs) and have achieved a sort of highbrow aesthetic that only those who can financially afford to be minimalistic are able to really do so because, let's face it, if you can afford to throw everything away, you can afford to repurchase them. Hmm. This makes me think of my 69-year-old mother who grew up in you know, abject poverty and is, she is organized, but she cannot stand getting rid of items of quality in case she'll need them one day. And that's the perspective of people without financial stability. They'll keep things in case, right? right. In case the first one breaks, in case their kids need them in a few years. So people can also get into this, um, I guess the the other point uh, that the detractors point out is that people can get into a tacit competition about who's more disciplined, who's living a more ascetic existence, which again affirms the sense that these minimalists believe they're achieving some sort of moral high ground. You know, I can see that being a possibility. You know, I think anytime you have a philosophy on life, um, it has the potential to grow into a morality where you say, I am better because I do this, or you should be doing this, you should be applying this. Um, Fortunately, I think a lot of people are attracted to the ideas of minimalism because they do feel cluttered and overwhelmed by the things in their life. So um, for them, it can be a very freeing experience. Um, so I, I almost feel like it's, it's an individual case-by-case basis. You know, I don't want to paint all minimalists in the same color because they're all very different because we apply it in different ways. And we all have different reasons for trying to live with less. I agree. I think that um, I think that it. I bring these up so that people who are rolling their eyes will know that we have addressed them. I, uh, I agree with that. We've addressed like them. It. We understand uh, some of the cynicism yeah. behind it, and some of it is, um, I think, uh, on point. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the vast majority of people. Um, who are trying minimalism or inspired somewhat by it uh, are not necessarily, um, you know, people who are the ones that you imagine, like the Steve Jobs, right? People who um, have 
a lot of money and who are able to afford to live a minimalistic mm-hmm. life. So I think we can all take, like you said, the fruits of some of these principles yes. and apply them in a way that is um, that can be very uh helpful to and them. I, yeah. Can, and yes. I think it can be beneficial to people of all demographics as well. I think we can all benefit from living with living with the things that we only need and being wise with our spending. I think those are principles that we should have no matter what our income is. I agree with you. I yeah. think it's pretty basic, right? It is. Um, okay. So here is another wow statistic. Um, So this is the second one, and we'll share some more. The average American household has tripled in size in the past 50 years, and yet one out of 10 Americans still rent off-site storage, the fastest-growing segment of the commercial real estate industry, so that all Americans, every single one, could actually stand under the canopy of a self-storage facility simultaneously. Unbelievable. It really is. Hey, Court. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Doing good. So um, for my listeners who don't know, Court is actually my husband, and he's actually been a big inspiration for me as far as learning the principles of minimalism and implementing uh, some of these things into my life. And so naturally, I thought he might be a good person to kind of chat with for a minute. So... um, I just kind of want to open up with what is minimalism to you or how do you define it? What you value in life, the way we live now and the way the, I guess, uh, I don't know if it's Americanism, what you want to call it, but we're, we're led to be consumers. We're, we're shown that you should buy this, buy that. And that's how you are supposed to feel better and feel happy. And, and at the end of the day, I don't think they do. I think it's a matter of opinion. I mean, maybe it makes some people happy, uh, but it doesn't make me happy. So, you know, buying the latest car or the latest gadget or the latest toy doesn't do much for me. Right. Spending time with my family, going on vacations, uh, being able to do more outside of work than just work to buy things. So, um, how does minimalism drive the decisions that you're making now? I think more about what I'm buying. Uh, I mean, as you know, there was, it seems like every day where something was coming in from Amazon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Now I mean, it still happens every once in a while, but when I buy something, it, it, it has a purpose. Right. No, I think that's great. Um, now feel free to be honest here, but did you find it easy to get me on board with uh, some of these principles? I don't, I don't quite remember to tell the truth. I know <laughs> early on, like uh, you would go out and buy things, and then you would say, "Well, it was on sale." Yeah, but you would buy a lot of the things on sale. We didn't really save money in the end, did we? Correct. Yeah, you just. <laughs> You're just buying to buy, and it's very uh, it's consumer-driven. You know, you, you go out and you think that these things are going to make you happy, and they just—it's temporary. It is, yeah. I think what would be interesting is to um, ask you both about why you decided to move out 
<laughs> into the country, sell your nice suburban home. Uh, why did you guys decide to do that? I, I guess most people call it house poor. I, I don't know. The, the fact was is that we had a house. I'm sitting there looking in between the mortgage and the escrow payments and all that. I'm paying like, I don't know if it's like fifteen or $1,600 a month. I mean, you do that over 12 months <laughs> in a year. That's a significant amount of your paycheck. Right. And the reality is, is that the house outside of maybe some equity down the line wasn't doing anything for me. I really was just like, you know what? I could save more money and and take more vacations and, and do more things with my family if I just cut out this mortgage in my life. Because, you know, you, have, you, you get a job and you have a set amount of income. You can try to get a new job or try to get pay increases, but that only takes you so far. So once you kind of hit your peak, the only other thing to do is spend less. Well, you got to start going, how do I spend less? So we pretty much cut cable out, cut all these other things out early on. But the one thing that was always the big monster was the, was the mortgage. Right. Now, I guess one other thing to that too is, this is me, me personally, if I go out and, I guess I've always wondered, do people think about this? If you go out and buy a $250,000 home with a 30-year mortgage with, say, let's just take an even number here, a 4% interest rate, over that 30 years, you could pretty much just double what you paid for the house, and that's what you're going to pay for the house if you stay there for 30 years. So your $250,000 house costs you half a million. Right. Are you going to be able to sell that house for half a million dollars one day? Maybe, maybe not. It's just, the math to me doesn't work out. I could be taking that money, putting it into index funds, and maybe one day wake up a millionaire and then right. have some financial freedom. Right. So, you know, I think um, it's what's interesting about you and Leslie is that you you did something that a lot of people don't put into action. So, you know, you're a real life example of no, you didn't move into a tiny house. Right. But you did do something, uh, you know, relatively radical by moving away from the burbs, going out to rural area and buying not a house there, but a double wide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So um, what was the moment where you said, OK, I'm not scared. I'm just going to do it. I'll start with this because I don't really know if he was ever really afraid. He was gung ho and ready, <laughs> ready to go. Um, I took a lot more convincing. Uh, the last house we had, I loved that house. Loved it. Um, thought I would be there for 30 years. Thought we were going to pay that mortgage for 30 years. And so when he approached me with this idea, it took a little bit more coaxing for me. I liked the idea of living out in the country, for sure, but I had a really tough time letting go of that house. But um, once court started to kind of show me some of the possibilities of what our life could be like uh, as a result of making this choice, I began to become on board. Um and now that I've been there a while, I love it. Love where I live. Um, I am so glad that we made this change. Um, it's allowed Court to invest and save more. Um, we've been able to travel a lot more. And because we did buy a fixer-upper, I'm making all of my Pinterest dreams come true, which is something a lot of people don't get to do. So 
Um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of work, but um, we we have gotten such a sense of satisfaction that this home is truly ours. Everything that we're doing, we're putting our own personal touch on it, and that's been satisfying. And while frustrating at times, it's also been fun overall. So it sounds like the key here, the greatest satisfaction is the fact that you took control. Yeah. Like I said, you only have whatever resources you have. So, yeah, if you're in control, then you're basically saying what you can do and what you can't do without them. Right. You kind and, of optimized. Yeah, yeah. basically. You, we, we took what we had and optimized it. Right. So, so that way, at least, you know, at least whenever we're working, when Court's at his job, he feels like he's working towards something, not just working for the house. So my last question then uh, for you guys is um, what advice would you give to other people? What was your maybe one or two biggest mistakes? Um, And then I think you've talked about the rewards. So maybe highlight the number one reward out of it. If I had to call out a mistake, I would say, um, you know, so we did free up a lot of our monthly finances with the lower mortgage but you can still fall into that trap of spending too much where you're like, whoa, wait a minute, where did our money go this month? And then it's kind of like we have to stop and reevaluate and say, what did we just spend our money on? Well, Court, thank you so much. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So minimalism resonates and appeals to me. Um, it's something I'm naturally inclined. My sister was just visiting me from Ohio and was, and was retelling how growing up together, once a year at least, I'd go into her room and rescue her from her disaster. Um, for me, having a decluttered, well-run home is a requirement. I can't be at my most productive otherwise. Yeah. Um, part of that is in my DNA. Since my mother is a neat and clean freak, it is not clean unless the underside and the backside are clean. Yes. That is her all the way. And how about you? Are the people in your life clutterbugs or minimalists? Yes. So my husband is horrible about holding on to stuff. My garage is full of empty boxes that he will not throw away because he's pretty sure he may need them. Or, you know, that bicycle we bought two years ago may need to go back for some reason so he keeps the box he keeps old oil that he changes from the car so when we flooded last year he had 12 gallons or 12 of the five gallon buckets full of oil and one of them fell so we had an oil slick in our garage that must have been horrible it was horrible i wish my parents were minimalists and my in-laws because one day they will be gone, sadly, and we will have to decide what we're going to do with all of their things. There are some parts that are overflowing in their lives and it is very intimidating to think that I will have to decide what to do with it. Me personally, I never need to, I never have the need to throw away things because my wife is constantly trying to filter out all of the extra that we have. And after the first time she did it, I was actually surprised at how freeing it was for everybody. When you looked at all of the junk and the clothes that we didn't need anymore. 
So a lot of us need a little help, not to fear. We have a few tips to offer. So what I first determined was the value of minimizing. What is the value of doing that for me? Right, because it takes time it to be a minimalist. It takes thought. It does. It takes thought. Uh, the value is the free time that I gain, which is extremely valuable for me as a mother, a wife, a homeowner, an independent producer, and podcaster. Time is something I can never get enough of. So anything I can do to free up more time for me, for my reading my writing, my projects is a worthy investment. And that's what I ask myself. I'm increasingly interested in my return on investment. So for example, developing and working on this podcast is far more rewarding than um, cleaning my living room weekly (laughs) or grocery shopping weekly. Uh, Writing and researching uh, a book uh, will pay far greater dividends than watching TV. So We canceled our cable five years ago, and on a rare night when I do watch something on Netflix, it's a documentary. I I stopped watching dramas. I I did that because I stopped watching dramas um, and drama-driven television series especially, except for the Game of Thrones. We all have our vices. (laughs) And I do that so that I don't get sucked in and end up spending time on an activity that doesn't pay me the dividends that I'm looking for. Right. Um, But that's totally a personally driven decision um, because someone else, like my sister, for example, finds watching TV dramas very therapeutic because it's time that she has to herself. Right. Another area I've minimized are my errands. These days, I mostly only go grocery shopping twice a month and to a retailer such as a Marshalls about three to four times a year. You just listed my most favorite place (laughs) in the world. I think for a lot of women. Yes. (laughs) That's pretty much it. That's the shopping I do. Um, I achieve this by increasingly buying my stuff online, and retailers are making this possible with free shipping. For example, Target credit card holders get free shipping. Amazon Prime's $100 membership can end up paying for itself if you sign up for its 5% back credit card. Yep. And often vendors on Walmart's site offer free shipping no matter how much you buy. Plus, Walmart itself offers free shipping on orders over $35. I also buy in bulk from Costco. I freeze my spinach and fruits, so I usually have produce on hand. Or I just go without. How about that for a thought? (laughs) When I run out, right, and I use what I have in the fridge and pantry. My kids eat oatmeal several several times a week, which also reduces our milk trips to the store. I use toilet paper instead of Kleenex because it's cheaper and lasts longer. I reuse my Ziploc sandwich bags by washing them. I use soap and water on virtually anything and everything. Going less to the store, right? So all of these things, all of these exercises um, has reduced my trips to the store. So I get more time. But the added benefit, the side benefit is that you save money. Because when you're in the store, you're tempted by... To buy more things. What's on sale. And those are values that uh, your kids see that they will put into practice. Yes. They see me doing things that enrich me, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, I am I am creating more and consuming less. Yes. Which is something I, you know, someone, uh, um, someone said that I really liked. Um, and it makes me um, feel like I am giving to myself. And I'm the world, putting, really. Yes. Especially, yes. I mean, we're creating right now. Yes. Doing this process, going through this podcast. 
And I love the idea of being a creator instead of just a consumer. A consumer. I it's, love that. Yes, it is. It, it's so spiritually fulfilling. It is. I hate to get all hippy dippy, but it's true. Hey. It's so true. <laughs> I get so, it. <laughs> um, another way I minimize is to clean my house once a quarter. So rather than putting aside a day each week for cleaning, my boys and I clean the upstairs once every six months and the lower level once every six months. And they're thoroughly dusted, washed, and vacuumed corners and edges included. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean we allow the house to go to the dogs during the in-between periods. I call my family opportunistic cleaners. Hmm. My boys quickly scrub the toilets and wash the sink several times a week. They vacuum heavily used areas several times a week. The boys we use, the boys, the rooms we use <laughs> build up dust more quickly. So whenever I change the sheets on my bed, yeah. I just take the flat sheet and I quickly like Wonder Woman wipe down the surfaces. That's a great that idea. That are dusty. Yep. Because the flat sheets, you, you know, do clean. It really quick. You just quickly wipe all the surfaces off um, uh, so that they're not dusty anymore. And then if I have an extra five minutes somewhere, I'll just quickly take a dishcloth and I'll run to the living room and wipe down the coffee table or the dining table. And it's it's set to go for another week. Yeah. Two weeks. The kitchen, needless to say, gets regular disinfecting because, right. you know, we're in there a lot and I'm cooking. So some of what you do... Um some of these principles I learned years ago from a lady called, she calls herself the fly lady. Yes, uh, it's a fun name. And she runs a website. It's the fly, it's flylady.net. Okay. And she has a lot of these daily tips of just going in and breaking it down into like how you said that you'll go and just dust real quick for about three minutes. That's the kind of advice she gives, you know, go wipe down, go wipe out your sinks, you know. Microcleaning. 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 Opportune. I just. I think I'm an opportunistic cleaner, man. It, I, I take that's minimalism. The, really, yes, it applying is. minimalism right. to your home maintenance. That's right. Because if you set aside a day each week, it mm -hmm. saps you of the energy because already you're dreading it. Yes. And I just even hate thinking about. I know that. Right. Exactly. So uh uh. I I I just thought I've got to get around this somehow. Yeah. So a few more golden rules for minimizing. One is when I bring in one thing, whatever it is, one thing goes out. Two things come in, two things go out, and so on. I also purge about three to four times a year. Um, also, what you keep should either be used or displayed. Yes. Yeah. Very few things should just be stored because you like it. It yeah. should be out, right? Um, every piece of paper that comes into the house is dealt with immediately, whether it goes uh, into the office, in recycling, clipped on a board if it's a coupon, whatever it is, it's dealt with. I do laundry daily at 5 a.m. when I rise, mm -hmm. and it's done by the time the kids wake up. Uh, and I wake up at 5 in order to optimize my time because without distractions, I get more done in the same amount of time that, that I would have if I had done those things during the day. Exactly. Because it's impossible to, to get uninterrupted time once the day gets going. So I'm able to complete the most amount of work during those early morning hours. Lastly, I have set up my home so that every item has a home. That's my number one phrase That's with my right. kids. I say, everything needs a home. Put it back in its home. That's right. Go find it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this way, I'm able to put things away quicker, right? Nothing builds up. Yes. And the added benefit is that I'm usually not looking for a misplaced item, which brings me, dun-dun-dun-dun, 
two statistic time. So, Leslie, over the course of a lifetime, we will spend how many days looking for misplaced items? Okay, so speaking from experience, you know, we're in the middle of a big house remodel, redoing the whole entire house. So I feel for you. (laughs) For us, we spend about 362 days out of the year searching for misplaced tools. That would drive me I'm not even, oh my God, it drives me nuts. And I have named myself the finder of all things because my husband and my children can't seem to find anything. And what is that? Same here. I don't know. And I don't know why I'm able to find these things. Sometimes it's right in front of their face. I hate to say it. Um, about and 75% they don't see of it. the time. Yes. <laughs> no offense, hon. Yeah. Okay, so how many days over the course of a lifetime do you spend, oh, do people spend looking for their things on average? Over a lifetime? Yes. Okay. Okay, 153 days. That's it? Yes. Oh. Yes. And on average, people lose up to nine items a day or misplace up to nine items a day. Yeah. Think mm-hmm. about how many times you wonder where your keys and your cell phone are. I agree. Okay. So I've got another mind-boggling statistic. So the average 10-year-old owns 238 toys but plays with 12 of them daily. And even worse, although 3% of the world's children live in America, they own 40% of the world's toys. That's an even worse statistic. It really it just, is. It's so, I don't know, it makes me feel, um, I don't know if I feel bad for the kids who don't have it, or I feel um, really a bit grossed out by the fact that yes. our kids have so many. And I kind of feel bad for the kids that have so many because... That's their norm. I feel like it almost eats away at their creativity, number one. Um, They also maybe don't appreciate what they have as much. And even with my own children. I was going to say, are we guilty? Oh, we're guilty. Um, You know, my my kids are also the only grandchildren on both sides of the family. So they're not lacking. Once they've kind of received too many things, we kind of need to go on a consumer fast (laughs) so so what do we do about all those toys then right can we encourage our kids to give them up we can although in my household I've found that personality comes into play so for example my daughter she is 13 she's not incredibly sentimental it's very easy for her to give things up give things away in contrast my son is very sentimental and um, I'll never forget a few years ago I came in his room no warning and I just said hey we're gonna go through your stuff because I'm having a garage sale this weekend let's see what we can get rid of and his face was he was horrified you're gonna give away my toys but these are mine. Mm-hmm. And so I realized with him, I needed to take a slower approach. So the following year, when I knew we were going to have a garage sale, a couple weeks before, I said, hey, by the way, in a few days, we're going to start going through your room. I said, so I want you to think about the toys that you have and identify the ones that you don't play with and, and the ones that you don't have a sentimental value on. And by giving him the time to let it process when the day came to actually go through his stuff, 
It was so much smoother. There were no tears. He did pick a few things to give away. It wasn't as many as I would have liked him to choose, but I felt like it was a step in the right direction. So that's how you're practicing minimalism with your kids. Right. But already. at the same time, you have to live them. You know, it's it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to live it out. So if I'm if I'm trying to um, talk to my children about consumerism or being too materialistic and placing too much value on things, but then they see me going on shopping sprees all the time for things that I don't need, I'm sending them the wrong message. Right. Well, I can say that my husband struggles with my bent toward less um, because, you know, even though I <laughs> yeah. I really find it appealing, you know, partners for those who mm-hmm. um, are really excited about this and they're uncertain about their partners. Yeah, they may not get on board. That's true. They may not. So for my for my home, it's a running joke here that when my husband is missing something, I must have given it away. <laughs> Overall, though, it is it is necessary for one of us to compromise when the other won't. True. And that's that's just something that we all have to keep in mind. I think you pick your battles. Yes, you do. Yeah. Now, whether minimalism makes you happier depends on whom you ask. Plenty of people will say yes, while I've read others who say it looks like uh, it not just look like they've tried it and it took too much work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took too much discipline. Or some say it's boring. Like, they don't like white on white on white. There are some people who take it to the extreme. In fact, at this year's trend-setting designer furniture event, more ostentatious decor and designs were seen, which made some reviewers declare that minimalism was out and maximalism was back in. Oh. (laughs) In any case, um, there are studies that show minimalism can make you happier. In one way, you may actually eat healthier and less when you apply it to uh, your diet. According to Brian, I hope I'm uh, saying his name right, Wansink of Cornell University, a cluttered kitchen can cause overeating. His study uh, to better understand how cluttered and chaotic environments such as messy kitchens has found that it causes people to overeat and eat twice as many calories from junk food as those in a tidy kitchen. Very interesting. It really is. Cluttered counters contribute to physical stress. Researchers at UCLA discovered a link between high stress hormone levels and a high density of household objects. Um, You know, I just want to point out kind of as we conclude that, Christina, you and I are definitely works in progress, right? Oh, yeah. We don't have it all figured out, do we? No, my gosh. (laughs) And we also recognize that minimalism looks different on each person. Every family is different. Um, But if you're overwhelmed and you want to try out some of these ideas and apply them in your own life, but the word minimalism is a little too intimidating for you, call it something else. Call it simplifying, streamlining, spring cleaning or editing, or just simply decluttering. Anything to make it easier for you to start. And of course, if you want to dive deeper, we've got a few resources, and we'll be sure to include these links in our show notes on our website, grittygirlspodcast.com. The first resource I'd like to recommend is a book called The Art of Decluttering and Organizing by Marie Kondo. And then, of course, you can go to theminimalist.com. If you want to sit down and find something new to watch on Netflix, you can watch Minimalism, a documentary about the important things. 
And then, of course, uh, I mentioned the Fly Lady earlier. Her website is flylady.net. Yeah, there are tons of resources, actually. Just type in minimalism, and you'll find tons of great stuff. These are just the tip of the iceberg. absolutely. So thanks for sharing, Leslie. You're welcome. So we want to end with a key point for you to um, carry with you uh, for the week to consider, and um, something I mentioned earlier in the show, invest in activities that give you a dividend. Is the time invested helping me achieve my goals and my dreams? Do my decisions align with my life goals? I have a borrowed motto that I edited uh, to make my own, and it's taped to my fridge. Take in only media, food, and things of value. And right below that is another borrowed quote. Love people, use things. Want to share ways you've incorporated simplification in your life? Visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Gritty Girls Podcast and let us know. We'd love to hear your ideas. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. Subscribe and tell others to join our Gritty Conversations. We are a new show and your reviews are huge in helping others find us. If you're interested in being a part of the show, we'll try to list the upcoming topics on our website. So go check it out and see if there's one that really resonates with you. We will set up a call-in line where you leave your thoughts that we will try to include in those future episodes. We'll also host bi-weekly Twitter chats, so follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Look for our handle, at Gritty Girls. We're on Instagram, too, where you can watch our journey unfold, at Gritty Girls Podcast. We only have one rule. Enter the conversation with an open mind. Thank you for listening. Until next time, listen to understand, seek out growth, and keep the heart and mind open. However, you're thinking about these issues. Let's dive into them. (laughs) Hold on. I know. I had a little. (sighs) Okay. I did better the first time. (laughs) 